You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ogi Ogui, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. Praise the Lord. You know, when we sing songs and we say, uh, when we're singing songs, some people just stand and they watch. And I wonder why. What are you looking at? What is, what is it exactly that you're looking at? You see, many people don't realize that God is deserving of all our thanks. You know, some people have had, you know, um, spectacular reasons to give God praise. This morning I was told that one of us here was um, delivered from an accident this week. Praise the Lord. And that's good enough reason to give God thanks. But even if you were not delivered from an accident, even if your week was boring, nothing dramatic happened, we still have enough reason to give God praise. I hope you understand. The fact that man was doomed to die in sin and he sent his son to die for you instead is enough reason to give God thanks. Praise the Lord. And that might not seem like a big deal to you until you realize that the only thing that truly matters in life is what happens after we are dead. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Because anything you do here will end here. Is that true? I mean, think about it. You can pursue all the wealth in the world. You can gain everything. Jesus said, what shall it profit a man? If he gains the whole world or loses his soul. And I would often say, have you ever stopped a moment to think what it means or what it would mean to gain the whole world? You know, Jesus wasn't speaking figuratively. He meant it. If you literally gain the whole world, do you know how wealthy you'd be? You can literally or almost do and undo whatever you want. All precedents, All governments are under your rule. (laughs) Do you understand that? You can set the laws. You can say what is good and what is bad. The resources of all the nations, the technological advancements in Japan and China and the United States, the economic wealth of China and countries like Singapore, all at your disposal. You'll be richer than Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, and your father put together. But Jesus said that when you put all that wealth on one side of the scale and you put your soul on the other side of the scale, your soul will always tip the scale. It weighs much more. So the only thing that really matters is what goes on with your soul. (laughs) Do you understand? Um, Paul speaking said, belly for food, food for the belly. Both of them will be destroyed. That's the way it is. You work hard for food. You get food. You eat food. And what happens to the food? You pass it out. (laughs) Amen. That's the way it is. Praise the Lord. And so when you think about that, you realize that the work Jesus came to do for you is of utmost importance. And so when we are singing songs like, thank you, Lord, or you've done so much for me, 
Don't just stand and say, what has God even done for me? If God does nothing else in your life, he has done enough. Do you see that? He has done enough. And I'm not saying God will not do anything else. I'm just saying that what he has done is enough. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So have a heart of gratitude. Two or three Sundays ago, we talked about thanksgiving. And we talked about reasons why people don't give thanks. Many people think they are entitled to it. That after all, I pay my tithes, I give my offering, I don't do anything bad. Why should anything bad happen to me? Newsflash. The people that bad things happen to, they didn't necessarily have to do any bad thing for the bad things to happen to. Is that true? Good. God does not have to protect you. You know, there's a statement we use in prayers. We say, prove yourself to be God. To who? You. <laughs> Why? <laughs> have you ever had arguments with people when they're like, until, until you prove it, I don't believe you. And then you're like, I don't believe now. Have you ever had those kind of arguments? Because they're like, your belief is not consequential to who I am. If you don't believe, I don't stop being me. <laughs> Do you get? Uh, say, prove yourself to be God in my life. What does that mean? Like, until he does it, he's not God in your life. Newsflash, whether you believe in God or not, he's God in your life. <laughs> Do you understand? When I was young, I went to Anglican church. And there's this thing called the Apostles' Creed that we used to say. A line of the Apostles' Creed is, he will come again to judge the living and the dead. That's everybody that is alive and everybody that is dead. Christian, Muslim, Atheist, non-believer, Scientologist, everyone. He would judge everybody. So the fact that when you think about it like that, you realize that it's very easy for God to be very disconnected from his creation. The fact that he chooses not to is an act of grace. Do you understand what I'm saying? The fact that, I mean, think of it. Most Most children who have very wealthy parents usually have very absent parents. Is that true? Is that true? So just think about the fact that in natural terms, when the parent becomes more powerful, the tendency that he becomes or she becomes more absent increases. Now think of the God of the entire world. He doesn't need to be there. But the fact that he is there is worth giving him thanks for. So when we say, bow your heads and give God thanks, actually do it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Actually do it. Amen. Amen. Alright, let's go into the teaching of today. This is still a golden year. Amen. Amen. Yeah. You guys didn't sound very excited. I'll say it again. This is our golden year. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Uh-huh. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I want to start with a very wonderful teaching series. And it's on supernatural excellence. Supernatural excellence. There are four Sundays remaining in this month. And so I'm going to start with the spirit of excellence. My teaching title for today is the spirit of excellence. And what I want to show you today is how the Holy Ghost that you received is actually an excellent spirit. Do you understand? But let me do a brief definition of terms. 
you know, when people talk about excellence, the first thing that comes to people's minds is spending money. So you have to do it excellently. And so people think you must do it with plenty money. But excellence does not always mean the most expensive thing. Excellence can sometimes mean, or excellence really means, doing the best that you can with the resources that you have at your disposal. Praise the Lord. And now, when we were crossing over, I told you that if you're going to go for gold in this year, then you must look at it from two aspects. God has made it available. That is, if you're going for gold in your spiritual life, God has made it available. If you're going for gold in your career, God has made it available. If you're going for gold in your academics, God has made it available, but this is the thing. If there is a price that has been made available, there must be a race to reach that price. Do you understand? So that God has made resources available to give you your best year yet does not mean it will be. I hope you know what I'm saying. You know, you have people who come complaining about the way 2020 went. They say, oh, my business did not flourish this year. I didn't really do much. I didn't really see profit in my business this year. But then you go ahead and ask them, so what were the things you did to make your year better? And they can't answer you. No training. They didn't change any structures. You know, they repeated the same mistakes of the previous year. And then they put all of that blame on God. But First Corinthians chapter 9 verse 24 told us or tells us that don't you know that everyone that runs in a race runs to win a prize. So Paul said, run that you may obtain. So Paul gives you the attitude that you should have. Praise the Lord. There's an attitude you should have this year. If you are going for gold, there's an attitude you ought to have. And part of that attitude is the attitude of excellence. Do you understand? Excellence. There's a saying that goes, shoot for the stars. If you fail, you will land on the moon. Now, the idea is when you set your mark low, you will hit lower many times. Do you understand? So, for example, how many of you ever in school, you know, there are some courses that you had in school that were sure A's for you. How many of you had those kinds of courses? Just sure A's. You just know that I'm going to get A. But there are some courses that you just don't want to get F. <laughs> if you don't want A, it's not, I'm not concerned with A. Let me just not get F this course. I can't carry it over. That's a mediocre mentality. And the truth is, many people go through life with that mindset. In their spirituality, they have a mediocre mindset. In their walk with God, they have a mediocre mindset. I don't want to do anything extraordinary. All this talk about ministry is not for me. I just want to love the Lord on my own in my own tight little corner. A mediocre mindset. But Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that he gave us gifts for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Guess what? Are you a saint? Yes, you are. So who is going to do the work of the ministry? You. So you have this mediocre mindset that says, don't bother about anything. Just be lax about life. 
We say, okay, you want to grow spiritually. We tell you, pray six hours. Oh, okay, let me say, pray one hour. One hour, right? Pray one hour every day. I mean, you are not, you are not doing anything at home. You don't yet work. Some of you don't work yet. We say, pray one hour daily. And then you say, one hour? Why? I can pray one hour. Now, you started the first time. It was difficult, so you decided you would never do it again. Am I saying the truth? You decided you would never do it again. And guess what? It's a problem because mediocrity in an area is failure in another. You might just be in the middle here. But because you are in the middle here, you're giving rise to a negative attitude somewhere else. So you are, you are mediocre in your prayer life. Your prayer life is whenever you remember to pray. If you can go four days, you've not even said a word of prayer to God. The, the most you've prayed in four days is God when? Right? You see a picture, you see a video, and you're like, God when? That's the most you've prayed in four days. Then you remember, ah, I've not prayed. Then you pray five minutes. I say you've prayed. Now, you can be mediocre there. But guess what? Your mediocrity is killing your spiritual life. And you don't know it. Do you understand? So you see somebody who is who, who can't stay one hour praying. Now, let me ask you, how many of you in the last three weeks joined the social media um, space called Clubhouse? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. How many of you joined Clubhouse? Raise your hand. Wow, not so many people here. That's cute. Okay, I think it's just for iPhone users. Is that why there are not many people here? <laughs> Some of you don't even know. If you don't know what it is, raise your hand. Interesting. How many of you on Twitter? Raise your hand. Active on Twitter. Raise your hand. Are you, okay, those of you who are on Twitter and you still don't know what Clubhouse is, raise your hand. Interesting. <laughs> Very nice. You know, Clubhouse is, is a very, very interesting social media space. So basically, when you, when you log into the, um, the app, you have these rooms in the app. So it's like, to go that went to school abroad. So you have these rooms <laughs> in the app. Um, and then people are talking about a particular topic. Um, so there can be a topic for the room, and then people are in the room, and then people are talking. The thing is, there's no chatting, so it's all audio, you get and it can be interesting. I've been in two rooms. I don't have time for it. But at the first room I was in, people were talking about toxic traits and how to deal with them. And then the second room I was in um, was a conversation around Christianity, conservative Christianity and liberal Christianity. So it, it can actually be put to very good use. You know what I mean? But then there are some rooms that are interesting. There's this one particularly called Why Do Fools Fall in Love? That one has over 2,000 people in the room. And I'm telling you, people spend their entire day in that room. I'm telling you. The last time I was in the room, because where I live, there's a field beside us. So these um, Okada riders decided to throw a party from 11 a.m. till 4 a.m. So I couldn't sleep. I'm a very light sleeper, so I could not sleep. So I opened my phone and logged into Clubhouse. And as at 4 a.m., people were still talking. 
Ah, ah. You are still talking. About what? <laughs> and the truth is, like, now, I slept around 4 when the party was over and I was up by 7 a.m. to start my day. And people, I was still getting notifications that this person is in the house. This person is in Sozo. I'm like, ah, ah. Did you sleep? But when you ask those people to go for a night video, ah, you have created a problem. <laughs> Mediocrity. You know that attitude of anyway in a way. Let's just make it happen somehow. You should not have it. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Not in your spiritual life. Not in your career. Not in your academics. Do you understand this? Go for gold everywhere. Some of you show up to the office. Let me talk about your career a little bit now. You show up to the office. You just dress anyhow. Just wear trousers. You do not iron it. Wear shirts. You know, there's a way we gauge whether the trouser is due for ironing. Just flap it and look at it. The gator is still there. Gator that you put like four weeks ago is still there. Just you put it on and go out. And you and you just ah. listen. The Holy Ghost in you demands better. I hope you know, and not just from your spiritual life, from every area of your life. The Holy Ghost in you demands better. The God that you serve is not mediocre at all. He always goes above and beyond. Do you get it? Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. God is able to do what exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. So when, he, when God answers prayers, he answers them excellently. Imagine if God had that kind of attitude towards your prayers. So you say, God, let me use car for example. You say, God. I need a car. And then God is like, hmm, car. Okay. It's hard to move around. But I take this bicycle, manage it. <laughs> you laugh, but many of you have that attitude towards life. That thing is working. You know, there are some people that if we left them to run this Sunday service, you will come here one Sunday and in Shekhar, it will be easy to do prison worship. Listen, the greatest um, revelation of God's excellence is when you look at the salvation work that he did. The greatest revelation of God's excellence is sin and salvation. Do you know that the death of Jesus was an overpayment? Do you realize it? An overpayment. Like, oh wow. Hmm. That he sent, now, God could have sent anyone. I hope you know. He could have sent one of his holy angels, disguised the guy as a man, put him in human flesh. He will come down here, live without sin for a number of days, then die. God could have come down himself as a fully grown man, because I don't have time for this thing, so just come down and die. Do you know all of these options would have still worked? A sinless person would have died for your sins and atoned for you. But he came down in human flesh as a baby. Not only did he come as a baby. Now, he could have come in the royal palace. I mean, this is someone that was meant to be the king of the Jews and eventually the king of the world. 
The morning or the night that he was born, a palace could have just sprung out of the ground. And then he will be born there. I am the Messiah. Do you understand? But he chose to be born in a manger. Why did he choose to be born in a manger? To relate with the lowest of the low. So, it doesn't matter what walk of life you come from. Jesus understands you. You might be very wealthy. He knows where you are coming from. You might be extremely poor. He knows where you are coming from. You might be very low in your sinfulness and you are down there in dirt and grime. He knows where you are coming from. This is why the writer of Hebrews could say, we don't have a high priest that is not affected by the things we go through. He has been tempted in every way. He did an excellent job. Do you understand what I'm saying? He did an excellent job. He didn't just do something haphazardly to fix the problem. He gave it his very best. He could have sent anyone he chose to come. Do you understand? He chose to come. That's the God you serve. An excellent God. When you read, oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. You read the Bible's description of the geographical location of heaven. You see streets paved with gold. Do you ever stop to think, why? Why did he do that? He's excellent. If you look at the creation of man, you see the excellence of God. Listen, man is able to conceive of many things, except how the brain works. You know, nobody really knows. You can tell, oh, this, is, this part does this, this part. But how exactly does it work? How do you have thoughts? How do you have all those things? Do you understand? The excellence of God in the creation of the world. If the earth was any closer to the sun, we would all melt. I mean, if the earth was this much closer to the sun than it is, we would all melt. melt. This much closer. I'm not asking you to scale this up. I'm saying this much closer. Would all melt. I'm telling you. And if the earth was this much farther away from the sun, we would all be frozen. Scientists say that the earth is in the perfect spot to sustain life. You see, excellence has to do with intentionality. God is intentional about you. Some of you, you look back on some major advances you've made in your life and you see the intentionality of God. As at the time when those advances were coming through, you could not see what God was doing. It didn't make any sense, but by the time you were done, you were like, wow. God, you are wise. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You've been through things in your life. At the moment, it wasn't very pleasurable, but by the time you got to the end, you realized that all the experiences you garnered from all those things led you to this point. God is excellent in his ways. He leads excellently, directs us excellently. Don't do any less. Do you get what I'm saying? Don't do any less. Look, in this year, give it your best. Your spirituality must have your best. Now, now, a lot of people have a problem balancing their lives. Because, you know, as I'm speaking now, some people are thinking, how am I going to give my spirituality my best? 
and my academics my best and my career my best and my business my best at the same time. It's very simple. You need to understand this. You have one life. You know, when you were in university, when you were in school, older times, they would tell you, um, you have to take care of your spiritual life, your academic life, your social life. You've heard that before. You have one life. It is spiritual. Every other thing is inside of it. Do you understand? Your social life is in your spiritual life. So your spiritual life will determine the kind of friends you should have. That is now you giving your spiritual life and your social life your best. Are you getting this? Even your academics within your spiritual life. Your career, it's right there. You give everything the best that you can. Someone messaged me the other day. I'm overwhelmed. I said, your issue now, your problem is time management. You don't know how to manage time. Manage your time properly. How? Set goals. I wrote a book, Putting Your Life in Order. One of the chapters of the book, I talked about how um, chaos survives in obscurity. You know why many of you are usually overwhelmed by the things you have to do? Because you've not highlighted them. So, I give two examples. Um, on the Monday morning, somebody gets up and he says, today, um, by 6 o'clock, I'm going to call Pastor Tomiwa. 6.30, I should have a meeting with um, Babcock University. By 7.30 a.m., I'm going to have breakfast. By 9, I'm going to call Pastor Ada. By 10, I'll call Pastor Dan. And another person wakes up and says, Ha, I have a lot to do today. I call Pastor Tomoa, call Pastor Dan, call Pastor Ada. I have a meeting with Babcock. I've not even talked about eating. Ha, this morning alone. Who do you think is going to be more overwhelmed, A or B? Obscurity. So many of you, this, these are the things you need to do. Your spiritual life needs this. Some of you, you just say, I want to grow spiritually. I just want to grow. I, the way it's doing me this year. I, well, what does it mean? What areas of your life do you need to take care of? How about you say, I need to pray more. Now, as at now, I pray once every week. How about I make that three times a week? By June, I should be praying three times a week consistently. And what you mean is that in the month of June, the whole month, you should pray three times a week every day. Um, every week, rather. Do you understand? Okay. Now, I pray five minutes. By the beginning of March, I should be able to sustain 30 minutes of prayer without feeling it. Now you're setting goals that will help you grow. That's excellence. Do you know? Paying attention to the little things. That's excellent. There's a mentality that people have that when it comes to the things of God, just do it anyhow. Get away with it. You're going to be fine. So, I want to address, let me, let me say something based on what I just said now. For example, a lot of people have asked me, why are you using a cinema hall for service? And usually to irk you, I will say, because it's fresh. That's it. Because what they expect, do you know a lot of people still have this expectation for churches that you should gather under a tree or put canopy outside? How many of you have heard that before? Put canopy outside. All this big hall is not necessary. Just put canopy outside, put chairs Get a tambourine 
and just hit. And that's it. You have done church. And the most important thing is that Jesus is glorified. Jesus is never glorified in mediocrity. Do you understand what I'm saying? Listen, you have the most important message in the world. Share it with excellence. Some of you are music artists. You don't put any attention to your singing. You don't care about the production of the song. You just... Have you ever wondered why you can't watch a lot of Christian movies? Because many of them are very cringe-worthy. You're like, eh. Zero excellence. Listen, the amount of preparation you put into the things that are not very important tells us how you would handle the one that is very important. Do you understand? So if you think the gospel is important, how much of your, how much have you put into making it happen? The little things. Do you get this? The little things. Do a video. When you want to do your video, do it well. Do it well. Clean your camera. It doesn't cost anything. Just take your cloth and clean it. <laughs> a lot of people watching your videos that like they put smoke machine inside your room. <laughs> Boys, your camera. <laughs> Speak better. The gospel demands it. Do you understand? Before you do a live video, clean your room. Simple things, right? But that's excellence. Those little things that count. The thing is this. It's little drops of water that make a mighty ocean. When you have so many little acts of chaos around, it makes one large chaotic ball. This year, give it your best. Are you, are you listening to what I'm saying? You want to evangelize, take some time to pray first. Don't just step out and just start talking anyhow. Oh, it's the little things. You're going out to evangelize as a lady. Don't wear trousers. Don't. Not because wearing trousers is a sin, but because the person you're evangelizing to probably has a misconception about it. So like Paul said, if meat will cause my brother to sin, I won't eat meat. If you don't wear trousers, what will happen to you? Put on a gown, a nice looking gown. As a guy, don't just don't do things that make people question your message. When you've taught them the message, then you can now disguise anyhow you want. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So you give it your best this year. A lady was telling me two years ago, she went to evangelize to a woman. She got to the woman's door. And the woman allowed her to finish talking. Was it short? And the woman, she talked and talked, preached and preached and preached. And then when she was done, the woman looked at her and said, you, you unbeliever. You are the one coming to evangelize to me. What was the problem? She had trousers on. She had trousers on. Now, the girl was smart. She said, I'm sorry, man. And she went back home. Changed to skirts, wore her scarf. I came out. I said, I'm back. (laughs) Are you ready to listen now? (laughs) Excellence. Praise the Lord. Listen. Be driven by excellence because the spirit of God in you demands it. You better know. The Holy Ghost will not rest until you do it well. It's not just about doing it. It's doing it well. 
It's doing it well. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. I want to show you something. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Philippians chapter 4 verse number 8. Are you there? Are you there? Alright, everybody look to the screen. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. You see that phrase, whatsoever things are of good report. The, the, the phrase good report in the Greek is euphemus. And it's that, it's that phrase you get euphemism from. Euphemism. So when he said, whatsoever things are of good report, he's talking about things that are spoken well of. Done excellently. Some translations use whatsoever things are excellent. He said, think on those things. So what Paul is telling you is one of the teachings I'm going to do, I think three Sundays from now, is moral excellence. There's such a thing as moral excellence, going for gold in morality. Amen. But that's not what I'm talking about today. What Paul is telling you is that there is an attention you must pay to things to be done excellently. It must be just, it must be pure, it must, but it must be of good reports. Let it, be, let it be said that, ah, when they see something done so well, they'll be like, it could have only been this person that did this. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, be intentional. You have, some of you, now, on Wednesday, we started a challenge. How many of you know about the challenge? We started the five disciples before June, by the end, by the end of June, um, challenge, Right? Five disciples in six months. Every one of us as Christians in this church were, were encouraged or advised to go out, reach out to five people, train them, disciple them, get them filled with the Holy Ghost, get them speaking with tongues, and get them discipling others by June. And what's the, what's the initiative? First Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, or Second Timothy 2, two rather. He says, the things that I said to you before many people. He says, commit also unto faithful men who will be able to train others. So Christianity should be handed down. If I train you, you should train people. You are not just in church to receive word. You are in church to receive it and give others. Do you understand? Good. We started that. Now, you have five people that you have to train. How much attention have you given to what do I teach them? Have you ever gone for a Sunday service or for a meeting? And the pastor is teaching. And you can't understand where he's coming from or where he's going to. It's like he's everywhere. He talks from this aspect, then lands here. Many times the issue is he didn't prepare a sermon note. Zero excellence. In circle church, we're intentional about everything. So, for example, the first teaching of the year is on spiritual, is on supernatural Excellence, why it's the year, is our golden year. Where we want you to go for gold. Well, you must have the mentality of excellence if you are going for gold. One example I've been using since um, the crossover service is the world record holder in athletics. Right? Now, who is the world record holder in athletics? Okay. So, so now, Usain Bolt is the world record holder, and I think his record is at 9.5. Eight seconds, right? Good. The year before, 
his record was 9.69 seconds, an 11 millisecond difference. It took him four years to train to shave off 11 milliseconds from his record time and beat his own record. Four years. And those 11 milliseconds that he wanted to shave off dictated how he ate, where he went to, with whom he hung out, when he slept, when he was awake, when he trained, everything. During training, he will have injuries, he will get back up and run. Why? Because he wanted to shave off 11 milliseconds. That's the mentality God wants you to have. 1 Corinthians 9.24, he says, run as if you want to obtain the promise. You want to obtain the prize. So in your spiritual life, run like you're going to obtain that prize. But guess what? Not only in your spiritual life, because you can't do it spiritually and you're not doing it in any other aspect. Remember I told you, mediocrity in some aspects will lead to disaster in others. So if you are mediocre in your career, it will, come, it will affect your spirituality at some point. Because it's an attitude. It's a mentality that you've developed. Are you, are, do you get what I'm saying? It's an attitude. It's a mentality that you've developed. So in the office, you don't give it your best. You don't give your best to work. You, you know, they give you some things to do. You just work till it begins to look difficult. And then you say, I can't, I can't kill myself. I can't kill myself. I'm not doing it again. Now, when your mind has gotten used to that response, in spiritual things, we will say pray. You will pray to a point and be like, right? Because your mind got used to it somewhere else. So for the rest of your, for the rest of the things that you do, go for excellence. You have an excellent God who gives excellently. So do excellently too. Praise the Lord. Do excellently too. Don't hold back on getting things done. You know what I've realized? That mediocrity is expensive. Oh, it is. Mediocrity is expensive. To do things averagely is very expensive. You know, that's what a lot of our parents do, especially our mothers. So she goes to the market, or how many of you have ever told your mom, I want to buy this thing? And then she says, how much is it? And then you say, it is maybe 50,000 naira. She's like, ha. Ah. When you can enter the market and see it for two five. Is that true? Now, how many of you have ever noticed that those ones you buy for two five will spoil very quickly? Then you buy another one for two five and two five. At some point you just give up. But when you give something some excellent touch, it lasts for long. Excellence preserves things. Excellence preserves things. Excellence preserves the blessing in your life. Praise the Lord. Excellence preserves God's blessing in your life. Oh God! I want you to heal me. Heal me. Heal me of this. And God healed you. Then what did you do? You paid no attention to your diet. You were eating anything and everything. Shawarma by 11 p.m. Burger in the morning. Shawarma in the afternoon. Meat pie in the night. 
You drink Coke in the morning, Fanta in the afternoon, then you top it down, you wash it down, a gouda. <laughs> At night. And then you fall sick again. And then you start saying, ah, these demons, they are doing me. No. No. I've often said the sicknesses are caused by two things. Man's carelessness and demons. Many times, man's carelessness. Excellence will preserve the blessing of God in your life. When we talk about moral excellence, I'm going to talk about this point a lot more. Let me touch on it a little bit. You pray for favor. You pray for favor every day. Lord, favor me in my career. Favor me in my business. Favor me. It's fine. The one day that the person that God is going to use to favor you shows up, that's the day you went late to work. That's the day you did not open shop. Or they came to your Instagram DMs, they DM'd you, they asked you a question, you answered very haphazardly, they said, "Ah, you shouldn't answer like that, then you now blow up. If you're buying, buy. If you're not buying, go. Then you say, God, where is the favor? You chased it away with lack of excellence. Excellence preserves the blessing. Some of you, God gave you a job. You, we know how, you know, we too quickly forget how long we prayed for a job when we get the job. We too quickly forget about it. I know people who, we prayed for months and months for you to get the job. Then you got a job two weeks after Pastor, I want to leave this place. This work is stressful. I'm like, how are you? You. And sometimes I just say, I just smile. I'm like, now God gave you that job. The first week you were good. From the next week you said to misbehave. You lost excellence. It's excellence that will preserve the blessing. So excellence is a virtue you should go for. Be mindful of the little things. Do you understand? Be mindful of the little things. In in. In discipling people, be mindful of the little things. You call a disciple to, maybe you want to pray together about something. And you're like, oh, hello. And the person sounds down. Don't just shrug it off. Hey, you don't sound okay. Are you okay? Do you understand? That's excellence. Excellence is not about buying the most expensive things. Sometimes it involves that. But it's not always about that. Sometimes it's using the ones you have. In the best way they can be used. Using the little you have. Jesus said, he who is faithful in little is faithful in much. If you are not faithful in little, you are not faithful in much. A lot of people will pray that, God, just try me with one million. Try me and see what I will do with it. But God tried you with 10,000 naira. And what did you do with it? You squandered it. How many of you noticed how fast 10,000 naira disappears? It's like 10K is the new 1K. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So we are starting on an instructive note. The first month of the year, next month is going to be a teaching month, but the first month of the year is an instructive one. Get instructions. Do things properly. Are you getting what I'm saying? Do things properly. You're showing up for a meeting. You're showing up for an interview. Don't just enter. You know, when I was 
when I was in Abuja, when I worked in Abuja, um, I was part of the management team of the office where I worked. So I sat on a lot of interview panels. Boy, the things I heard. There was one guy. You know, when you're doing interviews, there are these things called curve questions. They're just designed to throw you off balance. So we had a couple of them. Why did chicken cross the road? We would ask you to sing the national anthem, the second stanza. You know that old God of creation part? Yeah. Or there was a third one. What do you think about the economy right now? Boy, there was a guy. You know, when he started answering, I, I, I just felt bad for him. He just went off and off. He was talking about how he's, he's married to someone, but then there's this girlfriend that he has that is in Abuja, and he, because of the economy, he's trying to move to Abuja so that he'll be with the girl. So it's not actually as if he really loves the girl, but then the girl has money, and we're just... It's like he forgot he was at an interview. And that's the thing, my boss is very wicked. So he would, he would edge you on. Hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. Ha! So this girlfriend, what's her name? Another guy. The moment he stepped into the room, because it was a closed room, there were no windows. So we, we, we had an air conditioner in the room. He stepped in and the room smell changed. It just changed. And not for the positive, it wasn't... Like, what would it take you? Just have your bath. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Some of your friends can't tell you. So I'm telling you on behalf of all your friends, be using underarm spray. His excellence. (laughs) I don't know. You know, some people just think that naturally their sweat does not smell. Newsflash, everybody sweats this smell. Everyone. So please use underarm spray on behalf of all of us in church and in Lagos State. You enter bus. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, that's on a lighter note, but it makes the point. You've been praying for this job. The day you get the interview, prepare for it. Do you get it? Prepare for it. I remember when I went for my own interview at the company where I worked in Abuja. I got there, and one of the first questions they asked me, what's the name of this company? You know many people veil that question? Why are you interviewing at a place you don't know its name? They have a website, they sent you email, they sent you text, and you still don't know the name of the company? <laughs> we're not even asking you for the vision and mission of the company, the name, the name. When you were leaving home, where did you tell your people you were going to? <laughs> Praise the Lord. We will call you on Sunday. We will tell you before Sunday. You are leading praise and worship in church. You won't prepare. You will now get here and be just sing anything. Just to pass time. Don't do it. Rehearse. Prepare. If we call you and we tell you you are leading prayer, we've given you a prayer point. Look for scripture. Let's do things excellently. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Don't 
have don't have a mediocre mindset. You know, don't think that because it's 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 church and it's God's work, it's okay if it's not great. You wouldn't expect to go for the Grammys, for example, and have you know how would you feel if you watched a Grammy event, for example, and the stage was just bare. They were using cloths, just just put one cloth at the back, red cloth. Then maybe it's Nikanon that is presenting. You just come out and say hi, everyone. He just said, um, in category of best songwriter, we have Olamide, we have Bez, we have Fainfu Jesuadini, and the winner is Fainfu Jesuadini. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It, they put, and this is the thing, the major part of the event is the announcement of the awards, right? But they put in so much energy into the look and feel. The way everywhere looks, the pizzas, everything. Do you know why? Because they know you will like it. <laughs> Do you understand? Listen, as much as I don't mind um, preaching in a room, you know, just looking for a space, the large space just puts you there. I know that you would prefer it if you were here. You know, what I automatically realized was, so when we were using 16B, how many of you were at 16B? Raise your hand, you ever came to 16B? Amen? Yeah. When we were using 16B, let me tell you a little bit about 16B. <laughs> it was a blessed place. Church on Sunday, Brotel every other day. Yeah. You know, 16B was proof that we carry God. <laughs> that the anointing is not in the location, it's in you. Ha! Huh. Because when we get there Sunday morning, everywhere is smelling of weed. You know what weed is now? Grass. Everywhere is smelling <laughs> of weed. Because that's what they do there. It's a brothel. So they gather. But then we needed a, a hall space. And they said they had a hall. Where is your hall? And then it was what we could afford at the time. On Sunday morning, we are preaching. Now imagine this stage is the hall. Now from here to there, is where the drinks are, the, the bar. So, now, we can't call you. Imagine if I'm preaching and you are just you're saying Moscato, and uh, what are they, Hennessy, Vsop, all of them, right behind me here. Now, there's Gudan. Or, some of you will be very distracted because you want a drink. <laughs> anyway, so, so, they had the whole bar. So, what we did was we used cloth, like a cotton, to cover it, to separate, you know, the bar from where we were using. And we were using here... But then, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but clots are not very soundproof. <laughs> right? So, in the middle of our service, you will hear them arguing in that corner. Making noise. And How many of you remember? Making noise and talking. Something very embarrassing happened once. My mentor came around. He just wanted to see us before service started. And he drove in. And as he entered, the smell of weed greeted him. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, I noticed that when we moved from that place to Napton, just bigger hall, okay, bigger hall, finer space, people started inviting their friends to come to church. Yes, a lot of you. I caught you. <laughs> I never said it, but I just noticed. I just noticed that I would say, oh, hi, what's your name? You say, oh, this person invited me. Like, uh-uh. So you have friends that you can invite to church. Why didn't you invite them since the space? <laughs> People like to associate with excellence. Do you guess what I'm saying? People like to associate with excellence. 
So if people are not buying your products, and I know this is not, this is church. I'm not supposed to talk about why people buy your products or not. But by the way, if people are not buying your products, then you just might not be doing it excellently. Do you get what I'm saying? In your spiritual life, give it excellence. Some form of excellent commitment. Make up your mind. Can we have an agreement? Make up your mind. I will miss Sunday service this year. Excellence. Excellence is stressful. Do you understand? Excellence is stressful. Let me use an example that many of you will relate. I don't even know how to make Amala hair. Raise your hand. Raise it above your head. Be proud. You are the ones that are normal. I'm just joking. How many of you don't know how to make it? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, for those of you that do know how to make it, you know that there is good Amala and there's just okay one, the one that has some lumps. And the difference is excellence. <laughs> That's the truth, actually. When you just turn it, after a while it will form and be okay. It can be eaten, it can be digested. Then you will not bring it down from the fire and put it in between your legs and not give it excellence. Do you understand? Do that to your spiritual life. <laughs> Listen, you're fine where you are. You come to church. That's okay. But it's not excellent. So how about you come to church and get others to come? How about you come to church and evangelize to people? How about, and listen, this is the thing. This is the thing. When you bring it down and put it down, you will be turning, your hands will pain you, you will sweat, but it's worth it. Do you understand? Excellence is not always easy. Sometimes you need to do something. You've just done it to a place where it's working. How many times you just want to stop and say, it's working. But take that step further and say, not only will it work, it will work well and produce the best that it can. Do you understand? Good. That's what drives this church. Amen. That's what drives this church. And look, we're even going to get more excellence this year. Oh, we will. We will. We will pay attention to the littlest details. When you need the church, we're there for you. Because it's the way God wants it to be. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So there's a spirit of excellence. The Holy Ghost in you is an excellent spirit. He drives you to be excellent. He encourages you to be excellent. And what do you do? You align with excellence. How many of you have um, gospel-related projects that you want to run this year? Raise your hand. Raise it above your head. Gospel-related, maybe you want to put out a song, you want to put out a book, a comic, something, a video. Put it up, put your hands above your head. I want you to renew, you can put your hands up. Renew your commitment to excellence. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. Listen, let me tell you. As long as when people go for live concerts, for Christians, for singers who are not necessarily gospel artists, 
and they enjoy the experience. Listen, you will come to church and enjoy every praise and worship experience. We are committed to making it better. See, I have decided that we will make something better every week. And you will notice the difference. We will put in the best. Something will change every week. It doesn't have to be a big change. It might just be a training that we do. Or a change of the way we sing. But we will do something better every week. And I want you to have the same attitude. How about you commit yourself to finishing the Bible this year? That I'm just, you know what, this year I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to read through my Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Do you understand? That attitude, that just, how can I take it one step further? I know everybody does it at this level, but how can I do it one step further? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's the attitude you should have. Even in your partnership with the gospel. How can I take it one step further? Amen. Good. You know, church folk are very, very, they can be very funny. You know, a lot of people will say, ah, why do they need all the pizzas, the lights, the stage, the, the fine air-conditioned hall? You don't really need all of that for the glory of God to move. But guess what? They will never go to a church that doesn't have all of those things. Is that true? Have you ever heard someone say something like, and I understand some of them. Have you ever heard someone say something like, if the church does not have AC, I can't attend service. Have you ever heard that before? I understand some people when they say that. You know, I, have, I, have, I know someone who sweats a lot. Like he just sweats. So if he's not in an air-conditioned environment, he makes a mess of himself. Do you understand? Someone like that, if he says, if the church doesn't have AC, it's going to be difficult for me to concentrate during service. I can understand him. Do you get it? And so when you are partnering with church, have those people in mind. Amen. Till now, some of you still give 10 naira's offering. Look, if that's what you can afford, that's fine. But if you can afford more than that, you're not doing a good job. It's wrong. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's wrong. And it must be said, God demands more from you. I hope you know. Jesus told a parable of two people. One brought two, um, the widow brought her might. And two, and another person brought so much. And Jesus, Jesus said, the widow gave more. Not because of the quantity of what she gave, but because of the quality of what she gave. So, you have someone who has a lot, some of you here, you have a lot of resources. But when the church says, partner with us to get things done for the gospel, you withhold your resources. Resources, have you, have you, have you ever seen all those comedy shows and you read things like Table, 500,000? I'll be 2 million table, VIP, 20,000 or 50,000. And many times when you see it, you're like, ha, ah, who is going to pay for this? Then you watch the video and find out the place is filled out. But then when we come to church and we say, okay, let's get some things done. We want to buy this. We want to get this done. We want to make things better in church. You're like, hmm, can't really give much. Oh, this is all I have. But you have much more. Give it the attitude of excellence. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? Just take it a step further. One step further. Some of you is not in your giving. It's in your service. You are a worker in church. You come late for service. If everybody came late like you, who would set up? Who would usher people in? Do you understand? Some of you have been in church for weeks, for months, and you have not even thought of joining the workforce. Don't you understand it? If everyone acted like you, then who would do the work? When you came to church, an usher showed you to your seat because someone joined the workforce. So now that you are a member of the church and you are committed, take it one step further. Do you follow what I'm saying? That's the mindset I want you to have this year. Now that this year I pray, okay, I like my prayer life, but can I take it one step further? If there's anything that you're, I want you to, if there's any phrase I want you to take away from today's teaching, is the phrase one step what? Further. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So for those of you who have, for those of you who have gospel projects that you will run this year, I want you to do it excellently. Hire good sound, if you will. Listen, I'm not, tell, I'm not now saying, okay, so for example, you want to do a small worship conference. You will now go and call um, Shogir to supply your sound. You know, now if you can afford Shogir, go ahead. But, you know, some people want to organize a worship conference. Then they... The budget for the conference, what they can afford to spend on the conference, is let's say 200,000. You spend 100,000 on the hall, then you use 12,000 to call a DJ for your sound. DJ. The sound system is terrible. And then people come and then you're wondering why they cannot connect to what you are doing. You, you are giving them a terrible experience. So change it. Why don't you hire people that will do the work better? They might not be the best, but they are the best you can afford. Do you understand? Always give it your best. Praise the Lord. Have you learned something this morning? Now, what I want you to do is I want you to bow down and pray. And say that the Lord should help you to be excellent in the things you do in your life. The Lord should help you to be excellent with the things you do in your life. In Jesus' name we have prayed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening. For more, head over to circlechurchglobal.org or visit any of the church campus addresses on the website. God bless you.